0: Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC main card. Pay Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter, and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on BloodyElbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow Fight Analysts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co hosts, as always, Connor Rebush. We are here once again, talking with this week's UFC card going in down at the Akor Arena. Uh, that's, that's not the right way to pronounce it, but whatever. Uh, Akor 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 Ak- 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 Arena in Paris France with a card that Connor much to his eternal shame once thought was was good and has instead turned out to be merely okay yeah because Gas Bivok yeah it's fine it'll be an, an interesting test and Manon Fioro Rose Namununus is a good fight compelling
2: something moises yeah. is compelling yeah and to be fair um volkan uzdemir is now fighting some guy but he was previously fighting azamat merzikanov yep who was very recently elevated out of some guy status into hey this guy's pretty damn good status so that wasn't that there were at least four solid matchups filling out this main card yeah
1: not, Nazareth Hawkbrost was about was was set set up to absolutely wreck Sam Patterson before Patterson,
2: had and then pulled. he was set up to wreck somebody else. And now I think uh, so
1: he, they, they moved him back a week to UFC Oh, All right, that's what happens. to right. fight Landon Canones, but right. yeah, it it's, it's had a few bumps and bruises here and there. They did do one smart thing though, which I was actually kind of impressed with. Which is that they, down the prelims, both uh, William Gomes and, although he was, I guess, main card for some reason, and Taylor Lapalus lost their opponents. And so they took a fight between two rookies that nobody cared about, Giannis Gamouri and Callan Loughran. And they just split them up and booked them against those two. So, you know. Sure. I would Is that
2: rather, good? I don't know. I, mean,
1: I would rather see at least Taylor Lapalus stay on the card than a fight like Gamori versus Lawren.
2: Yeah, but then why not have Lapalus and Gomi fight?
1: Because they're different weight divisions.
2: Oh, and so what? G- Gamori stepped up from... Mm-hmm. Was, he was supposed to b- fight Lochran?
1: Yeah, at Bantamweight.
2: Or Lawren, or however. There's like nine ways to pronounce that name. Okay. Uh, okay, so he's he moved up for short notice. I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm cool. Willing, so you know. Great, saved the card. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. Don't <laughs> don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. <laughs> yeah, oh. I mean, partly it was me, um, the 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 beaten housewife UFC fan, um, being stuck with what felt like eight years straight of Apex cards.
1: The starving man in the desert. You That's right. And look, stumbling, stumbling into a Burger King and you're like,
2: yeah, um, thank oh, God thank for you. a rotten potato. I haven't <laughs> eaten in four weeks. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, now I'm realizing what I'm eating. Yeah. Part of it is these cards getting hit with injuries, which uh, we just talked about. This may or may not be more, more common in occurrence than it was before, but certainly, Injuries do not result in comparable replacement matchups the way that they probably once did. Anytime one of these cards gets hit by a wave of injuries, which is guaranteed to happen, both because MMA fighters are not smart at training, even when they are, it's a difficult sport to train without getting injured. Everybody's cutting massive amounts of weight, all kinds of factors, uh, and people being booked on increasingly short notice. Um... But so many uh, cards this year do seem to be defined by some guy I know versus just some guy. Yeah. And those are the replacement fights they find. So the key example here is Volkan Ustrimer versus Bogdan Guskov. Uh, They took an interesting fight and they couldn't find another light heavyweight who was available on short notice to fight in France. So they, they just found a guy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the grass is not greener over here. It turns out it's not grass at all. I'm standing in a sea of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's terrible. This card is—it's uh, not that bad. It's—it's it's okay. It's—it—it—it it,
1: it, yeah. it does, it does what it's supposed to do, which is have the top of it at least stay interesting. If the top—if we lose Firo, Namiunis, we're in—oh, we
2: are in dire straits. Yeah, we're in dire straits.
1: But let, let's talk, uh, let's jump in and go ahead and talk about this heavyweight fight. Cyril Ghosn, Sergei Spivak, and I mean, I know it's heavyweight, so I shouldn't be that surprised that Sergei Spivak is here. Mm-hmm. But it still feels very surprising that Sergey Spivak is here.
2: Uh, what, what's more surprising is the fact that um, a matchup I would have very, very confidently picked in favor of Cyril Ghosn last year. Mm-hmm. now feels a lot more uncertain. Yeah, I mean, we have seen in
1: several examples now, Cyril Gan's gra- grappling, uh, his ground game instincts are bad.
2: They are genuinely bad. And not just his instincts, his skills yeah, what, uh, I skills mean, paired with bad instincts, so he would put himself into positions where his skill set fails him.
1: Yeah, I, every heavyweight ground game is bad, you know. Like I don't necessarily judge him too hard for that, but like Derek Lewis has good instincts on yeah. the ground, you know. And
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Cyril Gaon has bad instincts on the ground. Right. Sir instincts are, you know, dick Lewis's instincts are. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna stand up and make sure I don't get hurt.
2: Right. Sir so Gons and... instincts are. What if I do a heel hook? I remember learning once eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to his credit, has worked before.
1: Oh sure. This because is...
2: every other heavyweight's ground game is also bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was the experience of Gon Jones was. Um. You know, at least I will say that, like, even though I I somehow and I will do this again when Tom Aspinall, you know, his his climb continues, I will once again somehow trick myself into thinking that heavyweights are good.
1: Yeah, no, it it always I mean, it's just the to 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 coin a phrase from black books. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was good, but it was massive. There's a great sense of value. You know. (laughs) <laughs> heavyweights they're not necessarily good but they're huge so you have you feel like there's a, a real sense of, of value there there's, there's a you know you're not maybe getting it's like the vegas buffet you're not getting good food but man is there a lot yeah
2: heavyweight truly is the golden corral division yeah uh of mma weight classes but you know like I will say this at the very least. I'm I'm happy that I spent so much time, to many people's chagrin, constantly under undercutting the praise I was giving Cyril Gaon uh-huh. by saying, you know, asterisk for a heavyweight. Every single thing that was complimentary is good for a heavyweight, and constantly putting in reminders. Um, but despite this, when he was booked to fight John Jones, I talked about that as if it was a real matchup. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't. No. Because of the aforementioned constant reminders that heavyweights are bad. Mhm. Um and that was the most comically lopsided anticlimactic title fight I think I've ever seen. In yeah. fact, we have both in the main event and co-main event of this Paris Fight Night card, two fighters coming off of two of the worst title fight performances ever.
1: Yeah. Well Gone did go out and beat uh no, he didn't, that's right. This is coming him just coming off right off the, right off that title fight. I thought he, I forgot and thought the tattoo of the fight was yeah. after that. But no, yeah. They are coming off of two absolutely
2: god awful title fight performers. Two two fighters who really should feel a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to to perform and look as good as they can. Um because they both looked abysmal in vastly different ways. Uh, one fighter way way too defensive in Rosenam Yunus the other fighter not capable of being defensive in yeah. Khan um, but yeah I mean like that was such a st- like a slap in the face how that flight fight played out. I mean in my most recent rewatch uh, which was yesterday, I was struck by you know I, I remembered the awful punch. That Zero uh-huh. gone through the terrible overextended cross that flung him into a clinch, which was then he, he was just like, huh? We're touching, and was already being taken down before he could think of how to respond. What I had not remembered was really how bad his striking looked against somebody his own height, who was—I mean, this is a slow old John Jones, but nonetheless still comparably uh st- still much faster relative to most of the guys that cyril Gaon was outclassing yeah and in the brief you know 45 seconds or so of of boxing we get leading up to the takedown cyril Gaon didn't look good there either and i was nope. like man he's just not actually good it's just heavyweight it's heavyweight yep and this is this is in fact counterintuitively why I'm going to pick Cyril (laughs) to Mm -hmm. to win this fight, because what that makes me think is, Oh my God, Cyril gone actually sucks. Uh, you know, he's, he's not even as good as I thought he was all the for a heavyweight shit was truer than I could have possibly imagined and really worth pointing out as often as I did. It makes you instinctively want to pick against him. Mm -hmm. And then you realize here he is back to fighting heavyweights.
1: Yeah. Here he is fighting a guy who really actually cannot strike safely for yeah. ten seconds at a time. And also you
2: know? can't really wrestle outside no. of the context of heavyweight MMA.
1: No, yeah. He's got a good upper body trip game. It's not even
2: good. It's a it's, it's yeah, a women's it's bantam it's a women's bantamweight wrestling game, as yeah. as Phil correctly pointed out. He is out there head and arm throwing heavyweights like that is like yeah. his most frequent approach to trying to get people to the ground. Yeah. It shouldn't work against somebody as athletic as Cyril gone. Like even getting into those positions should be quite difficult because gone is fast yep. uh, and mobile and his footwork as abominable as it looked against John Jones is he's like putting himself on one leg and jumping back on a straight line. The reason that took somebody like John Jones to expose that is because that shit works against heavyweights. It does. Sergey Spivak is slow and clumsy. He is not a technical wrestler. If he does get Cyril gone to the ground, he is a pretty competent grappler by heavyweight standards. Yep. Cyril will be in trouble. Yeah. But getting there is going to be as difficult as it was for any of the other guys who really would have liked to take Cyril down.
1: Yeah. And I, I honestly think probably too that. Gon can fight his way to his feet at least once against...
2: I mean, if there's one lesson he learned from his fights with Nganu and and Jones, and maybe he didn't, because he certainly didn't come into the Jones fight looking like he had taken anything away from that Nganu matchup. Yeah. I don't think he cares that much, (laughs) takes that much of an interest in training anything specific. Uh, He just likes working out in the gym, as far as I can tell. He's
1: huge and beautiful. Like, how much does he have to know? Right, yeah. Nobody else in the rest of... Nobody in any other part of his life is going to be like, God, you're just not, you know, you're not good enough for me. Like, everybody's yeah. going to be like, no, you're you're a giant Adonis of a man. Do what you like.
2: Yeah, I do the MMA, <laughs> and all the women in the bar come running, uh, asking for an autograph or his phone yeah number. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, like, I would like to see... In this matchup that he has learned, get up. When yeah. somebody takes you down or puts you in a, in a a semi-taken-down position, get up. Frame, get up, escape. There's an opportunity for him to show that he has learned anything in that regard, but he may not even have to show that.
1: Yeah. The, it, the, it is also worth noting, too, that unlike uh, the Derek Lewis fight for Spivak, this will be in the large pay-per-view octagon. In France.
2: That's a good point. So. A lot of room for Syrogon's bad footwork to be effective.
1: Yep. If he can just retreat and circle away, Spivak is going to have to enter and chase after him with purely following footwork and uh, a real bad aversion to getting hit and having any defensive reactions to getting hit. Spivak is... You know, if he can tough his way through you and and swarm his way into the clinch, his striking works well enough. But if he can't do that, there are no defensive layers to his yeah. striking
2: game. And, and it works well enough against a, a bunch of other heavyweights who are far, far worse than Cyril Gahn at striking. Yeah. Cyril Gahn, who's not actually that good at striking, but who is very good at striking for a heavyweight yes uh and the last guy who meets that metric uh meets that bar that spivak fought was tom aspinall who knocked him out immediately yep so you know also walt harris an even worse grappler than cyril gone probably mm-hmm. and a fighter who actually can't go past the first round with any consistency he did not need to he also knocks spivak out instantaneously Yep. So, yeah, this is the, the rubber banding uh, feeling, uh, the rubber banding of the, like, what have you done for me lately thing that always affects our picks. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, Cyril Ghosn's bad. Oh, my God, heavyweight is bad as a result of that. Like, how bad must this division be for Cyril Ghosn to have looked so good? And then you're like, oh, yeah, he's back to fighting heavyweights. Of course, I'm going to pick him.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I kind of start, I started out saying I'm just surprised Sirkis is here. Like. When this dude walked into the octagon and got instantly iced by Walt Harris and then decisioned by Marcin Tybura, he was like, "Oh, okay. Well, you're, you know, you've got the size and you've got the aggression, you've got the willingness to be a heavyweight. Got some
2: cardio for a heavyweight. Yeah,
1: got some cardio for a heavyweight. But, you know, where you maybe if you're real lucky, you'll top out at the very bottom of the top 15 and just get to bounce around." In, you know, like Blago Ivanov territory for mm-hmm. five or eight years in the UFC. But he's now a top five fighter mm-hmm. because heavyweight is what it is. He's
2: the he's the new Hellenic.
1: Yep. And, uh, you know. Probably even this loss won't take him that far down the list, you know. There are going to be a lot of heavyweights where being big and having a grappling game Mm -hmm. and having cardio to carry it out for a while, that is just going to be a problem for a lot of fighters, Mm -hmm. you know. So... But not this one, not this time. I think this is where you, this this should be the actual limit. If it's not, then it really just speaks all that more heavily to Gon's Yeah massive gaps in his own game.
2: If Sergei Spivak had a wrestling game like that guy, um, Carl Williams. Yeah, then I would probably pick him based on what we saw from Gon. In his mm-hmm. last two fights, last three fights, I suppose.
1: Yeah, but if, he had, if he had that kind of explosive step, even even if it wasn't the technique, but just. Sure,
2: just, just the drive, the penetration. Yeah. yeah. But he doesn't. No. He has to stumble into a clinch where he makes bad takedowns work because he's fighting even worse fighters. Yeah,
1: and I honestly think for Gon, like his, his ability, his willingness to circle away and things like that, even if Spivak does clinch him up. I think Gon will be very capable of getting his back to the cage and fighting off that. He better be. An underhook take, upper body takedown. He should be. He better be. He better be. It's true. Uh, Gon opened at minus 171, currently minus 163. Spivak opened at plus 152, currently plus 146. All right. That takes us to a woman's flyweight bout. Manon Fiero against Rose Nami Yunus and this is, you know, I credit. I wrote, I wrote a little thing. I wasn't really like a a big op-ed or anything, so I'm not gonna, you know, gas myself up too much. But I, I wrote a little thing the other day, just thinking about this fight, and like this is a really weirdly unnecessarily difficult fight for Rose Namajunas to take.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. by all rights and means, she should just be next in line for the strawweight
2: title. No, she shouldn't. I mean... Not after that last fight. Absolutely not. Y- you can say that. and You don't shit the bed that bad. And, I mean, I, I, I'm clearly not the only person who feels this way. I don't think the UFC would have given her a shot right away based on that performance. It was... You watched it three times in a row, Zane. I know. It was terrible. You don't need me to tell you that that was a damning performance.
1: It was terrible, but Rose Namunas is still the most popular high-profile title challenger in the strawweight division.
2: Maybe. Is she? I feel like everyone hates her now. (laughs) I
1: feel like— But even even everyone hates her. They know who she is. I mean— True.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: You know? And been a barrier she, to
2: opportunity. Yeah,
1: and she's beaten Wei Li Zhang twice.
2: It's... Uh, sure, she's beaten Wei Li twice, she's beaten Ioanni and Jaychik twice. Jessica Andrade. Mm-hmm, she is... She is
1: unquestionably one of the very best fighters in the strawweight division, despite the Carlos parts.
2: One, one of the best female fighters in general in the yeah, sport, Yeah. no question.
1: And so it's... Kind of a surprise to me that she's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to bounce and go up a division and take on a big, strong, top contender. Nobody really knows.
2: Yeah. Pro- probably the thing was, is they weren't going to give her a shot right away because they want the Valentina rematch.
1: Yeah, that could be. And um,
2: certainly I could. I, if she wins this fight, she's probably getting the next. Oh, shot, yeah.
1: Right. If she wins this fight, she'll get the next.
2: shot. Hey, if she wins and looks good. I'd be very happy to see her fight yeah. at, uh, Grosso for the flyweight title. That sounds like a great fight.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, especially, too. Like, honestly, you know, Rose Namajunas-Alexa Grosso would be a ton of fun.
2: Absolutely. That's what I mean. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to see her. I don't particularly want to see her fight Valentina as much. I don't know. Yeah. I kind of have a feeling about how that might play out. But, yeah, uh, but against I bet Yunus be grosso sounds yeah. awesome. Uh,
1: But, yeah, this is, this is a really... You know, this is a, an awkward, dangerous fight to take. Yeah, and uh, I'm surprised Nami is takes is taking it. Her explanation, personally, which I would also buy, is that she might just be done at straw weight. It's getting too tough for her to cut the weight. Sure. And uh, also that she is, and this I think distracts in general. Probably, I think she's more like. You know, with, without, well, with her own brand of insanity,
2: uh-huh.
1: um, but a lot more like Conor McGregor and
2: I'm glad you said that uh, Henry Cejudo, then people would assume. I'm glad you said Phil said the same thing to me uh, yesterday, and I that comparison had not occurred to me. But once it was said, I was like, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. And it actually made me feel better about this matchup for Rose. Yeah. Because what you mean, right? Tell me if I if I'm interpreting you correctly, is that Rose does not have title defense mentality. She does not. But Rose does have stepping up to the challenge mentality. Mm -hmm. And she has often done one and looked way more impressive than you expected. And in title defenses, those are routinely her worst performances. Yeah, that's it. Really, is it? I think that makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, and she even, you know, she did an interview the other day too, where, you know, she's also talking about this, and she's like, I, I, you know, I was getting to a point at Strawweight where I just wasn't interested or engaged, and going up, and going up and finding and you know, going up a division and fighting somebody like Firo, that that makes me, and it's, it, I mean, John Jones said the same thing. Jones clearly has a title defense mentality because he's such a bully. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was like I'm gonna I'm going up and I'm finding something that I'm afraid of again, yeah, to, to spark that passion.
2: yeah, but J- Jones has that territorial mindset, yeah, uh, that I don't think Rose has. I think no. she she wants the big accomplishment.
1: yep, not Rose the
2: is- not the long term accomplishment for the record books. Yeah. And I think it makes a, a lot of sense because like the the second fight with um Li Zhang was not a super impressive performance from either woman. No. But in hindsight, with the additional context of her performance against Carla, it it looks downright ominous. Yeah. Right? Like, you you look at that, and it leads to the next fight. You're like, okay, this is like a slide into weird defensive apathy, like something you're not interested in fighting this person.
1: Yeah. And Naminius has also said, too, recently that, like, you know, she's talking about, like, well, what am I going to do at strawweight? Fight Wei Lijong again? That doesn't interest me, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, that makes, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot here that's going to make this fight interesting to watch yeah. in, on and
2: the it, day. It, it, it scares me, but ha- that perspective actually makes me feel kind of optimistic that, like, maybe yeah. she'll see. Because Rose at her best, man, she's a blast. She's so fun oh, yeah. to watch. She's so good. I would love to for that to be true and for that to uh for that quality to be revealed in this matchup and I'm just like oh shit uh this looks like a dangerous move moving up in weight fighting a good fighter in your first uh a first flyweight okay
1: more even than good just somebody who is so yeah. big and strong for the division
2: yeah and and that sounds scary but if it means something for a, a new challenge for Rose to meet and she delivers as she has uh in past cases of that kind of booking then um I I would really like to see Rose look good. <laughs> <'cause> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I really really liked her before that fucking Esparza fight.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, the thing with too with this is that it, when you otherwise put it on a technical level this fight is all there for Rose to win. Yeah. Man on Fierro is is getting away with a lot because the women in her division don't generally have the power to hurt her.
2: Yeah. And, and she, and she is technically better than most of them as a boxer. She's yeah. Firo's Fero, good. I mean, she, she is very much, we've made the Holly Holm comparison before. Yeah. She's a far better technical boxer than Holly Holm.
1: She, well, she's, she's more aggressively willing to trade. Like I yeah, think and, the big thing and, is, that she'll just sit down and throw with more intention. Yes. Like Holly Holm will do that every now and then. Firo will do it several times around.
2: Holly Holm almost can't do it. That's why she only ever hurts people by accident, because she is so fundamentally flawed as a technician Yeah. that she doesn't... Firo, as a rule, sits down on all her punches. Like, not that she's throwing all of them to kill... But she actually stays over her feet. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't overextend with every punch she commits to. Um, she throws a lot more combinations, like a regular flow of them. And yeah, she just has a much more aggressive mentality. Um,
1: the, big, the big thing that would make me really pick her that I just don't trust all that much from her is that I don't think she's enough of a low kicker to or, really or
2: a wrestler is my was my thing.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, she's definitely not uh, that much of a she can wrestle but she doesn't have a top
2: game to speak of. Yeah. And and she doesn't have a, a, a and in the absence of a top game, if the the irony is she's way better than Holly Holm mm-hmm. in in the thing that Holly Holm is celebrated for, she could use a little more of the thing that uh, we hate about Holly Holm, which is the unbelievably tedious cage grinding. Yeah. Because, like, uh, if, if like, lack of motivation is a common factor in a lot of Rose's worst performances, we also know that being physically bullied is a factor in all of her worst losses. Yeah. And being broken. And in order to break Rose, it, typically it takes somebody grabbing a hold of her and throwing her around.
1: Yeah. I I will say to Fiore's credit, she actually has stepped up her low kicks in her last two fights, both against Chukagian and Maya. Mm-hmm. Um they weren't that big a factor in her game otherwise, but it is something that that could itself just be a huge difference maker for her against Nami Yunus.
2: Sure. Sure. Who r-
1: really likes that long open stance and can get kicked a lot. Um The sidekick, though, is still a big, uh, just huge technical gap in Firo's game,
2: in Mm -hmm. my opinion.
1: She throws it a lot.
2: We could see that Watterson counter, huh?
1: Yeah, it's predictable, and it does not feel like it would, because Fioro's taller, but she doesn't have any reach on Nami Yunus. Yeah. It is not hard for me to see her just throw it once too often, because it's not really a damaging strike. And just have Rose brush it aside and counter it. Yep. Um. And then yeah, when you actually get into the pocket, Nami Yunus is the much even if I mean I would say she's a more technical boxer, but she's also just the more selective puncher.
2: She's she's a sharper, harder hitter, more accurate. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Nami uh, Fierro just tends to. You know, she has a couple of go-to combinations that she will throw when people are in front of her,
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and she will wind up and let them go hard. But they're not going. She's not selecting a lot of targets or being like, oh, you know, I'm gonna. The moment you throw your 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 right cross, I'm gonna throw my left hook. It's much more the moment you throw a one two, I'll throw a one two three.
2: She's just a more rote combination puncher. Yeah, yeah. Rose is. You know, like Gaethje, like this is clearly something Whitman teaches in his fighters is like there, she picks her shots. Yeah. She is watching the opponent's reactions. She is seeing how they respond to the uh, the the wedges, as as Phil likes to say, and the, the jabs and the feints, mm-hmm. and then calculating the rest of her combinations based on that those reactions. What openings are there?
1: Yeah. And, and so on that kind of map. I I feel like I really do need to pick Rose Namajunas here. Yeah, but the you know the the X factors here are real. If she doesn't, Mm -hmm. if she's put you know if the pressure she's putting on herself is too much, you know she's putting pressure to like oh I got to go back, I got to get a win, I got to you know be competitive in a new division, I got to give up weight and size to my opponent, I've got to entertain the crowd because I know I was so boring last time you know she's recently talked about like oh I, got, I i my last fight really made me come back around to the idea that i'm supposed to be entertaining too mm-hmm. basically as not just
2: trying oh, to did, win did she say that she finally mm-hmm. gave up on the damn why all you booing that was a yeah. brilliant defensive performance
1: <laughs> yeah she did say that
2: okay well good on her for that i like to but, hear that
1: but that's all that that's all pressure too that you don't you know yeah. if she's going to go out there and be like oh i got to entertain Sometimes, you know, fighters say that and they think that and then they go out there and like, well, that means I'll do something stupid instead. of Yeah.
2: To be fair, though, I think Rose characteristically puts a lot of pressure on herself and feels she's she we know her to be a very anxious personality. Yeah. And somebody who is feeling pressure all the time. And for whatever reason, just the type of person she is, that pressure does not uh, seem to translate into. Um, sustained kind of success as much as it does into again like the big achievements. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that's where she seems to be able to channel it effectively.
1: Yeah, I'll pick Rose. I'll, I'll pick this to be the fight both women want, which is a range striking battle, and I'll pick Rose to be sharper in that battle. But you know, this is VRO is right there to to take this fight if Rose takes her foot off the gas at all or just you know can't gets clinched up and can't hang with Fiero in the clinch sure For strength or something like that
2: could be um, one it could a win is, is potentially one pretty decent game plan away yeah for menon fiero
1: yeah, yeah especially I, doing a three round fight like all fiero might have to do is just get one takedown that Rose Namurinus doesn't do a very good job fighting off and sure. spend a bunch of time on top because she's so strong and then have a nip tuck round. Sure. Where you're like, oh, I guess Fioro landed a couple of kicks that looked like, you know, she landed some low kicks that Rose didn't take that well. R- Rose landed some jabs. I don't know what to weigh. You're only three rounds.
2: That's that might be two of them. Sure. Here's another question that occurred to me. Hmm. Um, how many Southpaws has Rose Namajunas fought? Oh, man. Not many. She's fought a couple switch hitters. Yeah. And Michelle Waterson, who does not really bring to bear a lot of what you would think of as Southpaw tactics. No. Um, and Li Zhang is a bit of a switch hitter. But again, not really someone you think of as a Southpaw Southpaw. Yeah. And so I do wonder about that being a factor here too. She is – it it is worth pointing out that, yeah, Furo has a little height, but actually Rose is going to be one of the longer fighters she's faced. Mm -hmm. But that is true for Rose as well, and Furo is a southpaw.
1: Yeah.
2: She's a real southpaw. Like we're talking southpaw jab. We're talking outside angle for the straight left hand. She fights like a southpaw boxer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all could be trouble. I'm still going to pick Nami Yunus. I, I, I just don't think that Firo is technically deft enough as a southpaw to make me feel like Nami Yunus just can't all is, that out. saying
2: sometimes fighters make very strange decisions. No,
1: it's true. It based could, on
2: the difference in feel. And Rose, as an orthodox fighter, uh, is really all about her lead hand. yeah. The jab and the left hook are her best shots, and her right hand works as well as it does, typically because the jab is there to set it up. Yeah. And she will switch herself, um, but in more in more of a Cub Swanson kind of way. Yeah. For like for like a trick. Yeah. She will go southpaw, and this feels like because of that, I it won't be too shocking to me if this is a matchup that feels a lot more like. Um, cute trick Rose Namunas, which I think is a bit, uh, quite a bit of what we got in her fight with Michelle Watterson, because mm-hmm. this is somebody who's switching stances. It leads to a lot more of like a kicking range, bouncing in and out, almost Taekwondo-esque kind of fight. And Rose is obviously dangerous a- a- in that range uh, with all of her weapons. She's, I suspect, will look quite fast And that that will probably translate to a serious pop on her strikes in this division. Um, But it does mean that she's going to be in there against a fighter who is happy to kind of plug away with a consistent pace in a matchup where potentially Rose will not have the ability to keep things going at a nice, consistent pace working off of that jab. Yeah, it's true. I I do suspect that probably she'll she'll cope reasonably well because Trevor Whitman is not going to be having a fighter go out there.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I can't.
2: He actually understands boxing and it's the oafs who don't understand boxing, even many of them in the boxing world who get way over fixated on the whole Southpaw. Oh, you have to throw your right hand only thing. Yeah. So probably she will have she will come in prepared to make her normal game function against a slightly different feeling kind of opponent. But it is something to keep in mind. Yeah. It, Otherwise, it, yeah, go on. I
1: was saying, it's just a dangerous fight all over for Rose, honestly. Yeah. You know, the X-Factors yeah. in it are pretty prominent, despite there not being, like, any injury or, like, weight class stuff or any of the other stuff that you would generally think of as an X-Factor. It just yeah. feels like a fight where it's very much, like... We're going to get a minute into the first round, probably, and it'll be much, much clearer how this fight is going to go.
2: Yeah. You know, um, otherwise, I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick Rose. The the thought of her being a McGregor type um, was genuinely enlightening to me. I had not really considered that. But mm-hmm. like I said, it seems to make a lot of sense. It gives me reason to think that Rose will probably show up with something to prove. Yep. Yep. And that has always been a good thing for her. Um, and then the other factor is just that Mano Furo's physicality is considerable, but I don't think her style maximizes that physicality in the ways that no. I would expect to really trouble Rose Nami Yunus.
1: She really, for somebody who does sit down on her strikes and is big and physical, she still doesn't get much done with any one single shot
2: yeah i mean she sits down on them compared to the obvious parallel yeah. in holly holm <laughs> she's or not a, a
1: chukagian
2: yeah exactly she's not out there i mean even maybe she's comparable to current chukagian who
1: yeah, has also yeah. learned
2: to keep her feet under her
1: i mean that she's fight a, was a nip tuck we both yes. barely scraped by it yeah with yeah
2: uh, in that kind of, uh, frame, she sits down on her strikes, but she's not out there, um, really throwing anything with like hurtful intent. I, I think it's, yeah. it, it can be, it is often a strength for her because, uh, she's just a really consistent fighter, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, I, like I said before, like the physicality that tends to affect Rose, um, it comes in attritive damage, like the low kicks that Jessica Andrade hit her with, mm-hmm. or it comes in wrestling yeah. and sustained wrestling attacks. People being able to muscle her in the clinch, to throw her down and keep her down. Um, it, it doesn't tend to come through in like, oh, this person is boxing with me. Yeah. And, and and they're strong. Like, it's just not that's not something that allows you to maximize the kind of physical advantages that seem to affect Rose. Yeah. It'll, I'm, I'm would, curious how Rose will look. It'd be really funny yeah. if she, oh, I can't make the weight anymore, and then as so often happens in MMA fighters, she just gets super jacked. I would love to see <laughs> just, a, just an extremely brawlic Rose Namajunas yeah. step into the cage looking like yeah. Gobert Burns. That's right. The the interviews
1: <laughs> I saw, she just said that she used to skip breakfast everyday every every day and then fast one day a week, and she's basically just stopped doing that.
2: Well, hey. Hopefully that'll help her mental health as well. Yep, she's now uh, that she's having breakfast every day. She's like, you know what? Maybe communism isn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it changed her whole perspective. Uh, I but would yeah, not I'm opt- your I'm optimistic. On <laughs> no, me neither. I'm, I'm not holding my breath. I'm optimistic, uh, which is a scary thing to be. But uh, I, I I think I've I have enough reason to think that that fight with Carlos Barza. Is indicative of a certain aspect of Rose's personality, but not indicative of every fight she's going to have for the rest of her career.
1: Yeah, I hope not. Uh, it better not be. It better, it not, better not be. be. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, if it, otherwise, you know, she could just be setting herself up to get a leg, a, a low kick clinic put on her or something like that. You know, with Firo Absolutely. just going out there and being like, "Well, this is the one obvious target in a very range yeah. fight where you're not throwing a lot else. I'll just." slap your leg and if she
2: is not out there regularly pressing her power and her speed and her technical advantages then uh she's in there against an opponent who's just going to be doing a lot all the time
1: yep uh fiero opened at minus 214 is currently at minus 181 so she's sitting at favorite odds nami unis opened at plus 188 is currently down at plus 161
2: Honestly, they I may have talked close. myself out of it, but I kind of get it based on that yeah. last performance. There's a, a, a lot of reason for people to go to into this thinking, yeah, Rose is done.
1: Yeah. I get it. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Benoit Saint-Denis against Tiago Moisish, And this is a much better fight than I would have thought six months ago. Sure. And, uh... Really, actually, feels like it should be the rubber meets the road fight for Benoit Anthony that I thought his last fight would be for him.
2: Sure, but that last fight, he was very impressive.
1: He looked great. He found. I mean, I think what he really found in that fight was a great ability to assert his size. Yeah. On on his opponent, on the, what's his name?
2: Ismael Bonfim. Ismael Bonfim, who
1: really is kind of featherweight-sized. Because um, you know, when they were striking, Saint-Denis, mo- most of what he did well to do was to eat the, e- eat the much cleaner shots coming at him and never back away from them and keep swarming and keep
2: pressing Bonfim and keep forcing Bonfim to tie up with him. And and the other the other thing he did was throw 9,000 body kicks like a tie throw, like a right. tie uh, endurance drill.
1: Yeah. Um and that that part of this certainly if he just comes out and does that, he'll probably have some good success against Thiago Moises, who yeah, is, is always willing to be on the back foot always get, looking to counter.
2: Always. Yeah, I mean I I the 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 part of the matchup that I don't have a super clear um, super clear perspective on is is what happens when the inevitable grappling exchanges take place. Exactly. Maybe they're not maybe they're not inevitable. Maybe this is a fight where Saint-Denis is going to be on the front foot striking and and think that that's his way to win. And maybe it's not that's not a bad idea.
1: it wouldn't be a bad idea at all. I think he could yeah you know, I think he he could win just a straight striking brawl with. Tiago Moisish. I mean, we've even even just if he can be hard to take down, then just pressing Moisish. Yeah. Like into the cage and slowing him down.
2: Yeah, cuz Moisish is a good counterpuncher in the way that um Korean Zombie is a good counterpuncher.
1: Yeah.
2: And we saw, you know, one in a like multitude of related ways there are of exploiting that in how Max Holloway beat him that like Yeah. Uh, what the the similarity I'm talking about is these guys have good timing and pretty good form on like the two or three punches they like to throw on the counter. Yep. What they do not have is any semblance of control. Yeah. of the actual flow of the fight of when those the opportunities they're trying to punish are given to them. They do not uh Thiago Moisés does not have the ability to control the initiative. These exchanges, they either they come to him and he can either exploit them or he can't, but it's not up to him what openings he's being given. He's not Mm -hmm. out there fainting or jabbing. He's not using his footwork to, like, force adjustments or draw cage cutting kind of techniques out of his opponents. He really does just kind of stand there and say, no, you. Yeah, you go and we'll see if I can get you. And like Korean zombie, he can be pretty effective doing that. Uh-huh. He can land some good, clean shots. Um, He is a threat if you come in carelessly. But you get a lot of time to decide how carelessly you want to come in and what you come in with. Yeah. Or whether you come in at all. And, and if you're going to feint him back and stay at range and just try to find a bunch of different ways of setting up, say, massive crushing body kicks, that might work. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to let you set up on him. Mm uh-huh. hmm. So I, I am very tempted to pick Benoit Saint here. Uh, I, th- I don't. Yeah, go on.
1: I say, the thing is, is I am like really absolutely sure this fight will end up on the ground.
2: Yeah, I, I believe that will probably happen too. Um, because this is, I think Benoit has a lot of confidence in his grappling game and yeah. his wrestling, which is yeah, uh, which was the other thing that was quite impressive in that Bonfim fight. It wasn't just physicality. There was a pretty nice, considered, uh, layered wrestling attack from him in that fight.
1: And it's always been a thing with his fights. I think he's very much a fighter that that believes one thing leads to the other. Yes. The striking leads to the wrestling, leads to the grappling.
2: MMA native.
1: Yeah. And with those kinds of fighters, it's usually very, you know, it's very hard to deprogram them of that feeling, irrespective of who their opponent is.
2: Yeah, those connections are hardwired in in the same way that uh, a fighter who gets their left hook countered is still going to find it hard not to throw the one, two, three. Yeah. The same way next time because that is just – it's drilled into you. Yep. Um, but I still don't think that's necessarily a fight that Saint-Denis can't win because the other problem with Moisesh is that um, he's a great grappler, but uh, – Much in the same way that his counter-striking lacks for any ability to control the fight, his grappling also allows you to set up on him in the way you'd like. He is willing to play guard for long stretches. He will look for sweeps. He will be threatening and try to regain top position, but he often starts against the the rare opponent who does want to grapple with him. He starts by being attacked with a takedown and sometimes gets taken down. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, And if we're assuming Sandini is going to be the guy pressuring and the guy creating those takedown opportunities, I, I think he might be able to work with that. It's a, it's a much better proposition uh, as a big, strong grappler to, the, to be the guy on top potentially defending guard submissions yeah. and controlling scrambles from the superior position than it is to be the guy in Moises' position where you are effectively countering everywhere the fight goes. So I'm going to take something I think the game plan is pretty simple and he has already proven that it's the kind of game plan he's instinctively pretty good at following.
1: Yeah, the, it is. It's just I mean, the, the thing that, that keep that gives me hesitation is that he's just not at quite as technically adept as I, the other people who have beat Moisish lately. You know, Darush is Magulov, Makachev, and Joel
2: Alvarez. Yeah, they're all really well. Uh, Alvarez, Alvarez lost to uh, Moises. Oh no, sorry, you're no, no, no.
1: I'm no, mistaken. He,
2: he, you're he right. Beat, he beat him. Yep, yep.
1: And they're all. Uh, you know, they're all actually cleaners. Well, Darius, maybe not a cleaner striker, but a crazier. Well, maybe not even crazier,
2: you know. I don't know that Alvarez is a cleaner striker. Either. He's just massive.
1: He, yeah, he he's massive. And he's very controlled in the few tricks that he will lean on every time. Like yeah. He, he doesn't step away from his comfort zone at all. Yeah. Um.
2: But hey, being confident, committed and powerful. Work for yeah. Darius and Alvarez. <laughs> This is a problem. There's a lot of of different ways to use the initiative that Moisesh is leaving on the table. That is his big problem.
1: And I really do feel that I think the thing that's really swaying me is that I feel like if Moisesh is leaving that initiative to Saint-Denis Yeah. Then the chances that he will survive the pace war that Saint-Denis wants to make wants to continue right are i think much lower even if even if he's hanging with santini every single step of the way for a round and a half or two rounds yeah we have seen like santini is he is 100 kill bot like yeah just mindlessly pathologically aggressive yep and if he's getting – if he's always getting the initiative, he's probably not going to break down under his own pace.
2: No, I just think he's he's, he's going to be super comfortable in this dynamic. Yeah. And I would also point out that um, Moises is clearly a good fighter, but mm-hmm. um, they're kind of, looking back, a lot of asterisks on his wins, aren't there? It's like you compare to the guys he's fought. Yeah. Uh, the, the guys that he's lost to, then you look at his wins, you're like, okay, Michael Johnson absolutely, like, literally has a kink for getting submitted. Yeah. Bobby Her, Green. Bobby Green, is questionable if he even won that fight, but yeah. also <coughs> Green is not the guy uh, you think of as, like, always being down to accept an invitation to go first. Yep. Alexander Hernandez, okay, that's a guy who loses a game of chicken.
1: Yep. Um, like it's well-rounded and not that special,
2: right? A, a lot of these really just kind of make sense <laughs>
1: <Yep>. <laughs> and those don't those
2: seem, short notice and don't seem remarkable in retrospect.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it shows the general quality of yes. Moises, that every time he gets a fight that makes sense for him to win, he wins it, you know, yeah.
2: but there's a lot more variation in the guys who've beaten him than you yeah. would. Then can be explained by like they're they're all just they all just seem to point to a large flaw in how his whole game functions. Yeah, which is lets you do what you want to do. And if I'll, you're pretty good and happy to be aggressive, that's going to work. And again, I think he lost to Bobby Green. So
1: I'll, I'll take I'll take Denny to if for no other reason than he got a new big Joan of Arc tattoo that looks kind of like Tina Turner and Beyonce. <laughs> <the day.
2: laughs> no, I want to see this. <laughs> I got to look this up now.
1: Oh, okay, I posted it to my uh, to my Twitter. If you go if oh, you there's
2: did... the plug. I knew it was coming. There's the yeah. plug. At the Zane Simon posting all the hottest Benoit Santini tattoo pics. God give it a rest.
1: Where where did oh there it is.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can even copy the link in for you if you Oh I found it. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Right? Wow. That being said, I still kind of like it as a tattoo design.
1: It's actually, if you there there, let me see if I can. Uh,
2: it's a, it's a good composition.
1: Yeah, I, I think if I there was somewhere where I found like I I stumbled onto finding it on like a Facebook thing that explained it as a as as a Joan of Arc. Oh, there here it is. And when you actually see the detail of it, yeah. a little better. Uh, here I'll, I'll I'll just drop it uh, or copy
2: that one. You can find on WordPress.com slash the Zane Simon. Yeah, that's right.
1: But there you can see the actual te- composite when it was fresh. You can see yeah, the yeah, composite yeah a little better. And it's it's a really honestly yeah, to- it's pretty good. Yeah, it's a totally decent tattoo. But you, you, watching the, his his last fight.
2: I was looking yeah. like, "What the hell is that?" It's so that- funny how it looks like that exact picture of Tina Turner and Mad Max, with including the little tiny crossbow. <laughs> right? I was like,
1: is that <laughs> "Tina Turner from Beyond Thunderdome? That can't be right."
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a very funny. Only you would be able to make that 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 visual connection. Uh,
1: all right, Santini. He opened at minus 103, he's currently minus 147. Tiago Moisish opened at minus 107, is currently plus 133. Yeah, it shouldn't honestly it shouldn't get that much wider. Moisish is a dangerous grappler, and I do think these dudes are gonna end up scrambling together. Sure. Which you know, it could mean that Benoit Santini Anthony just gets submitted in there. Sure. You know, you you look at the kind of heel hook that Moises hit on Michael Johnson and
2: that kind of submission doesn't take a huge window yeah. to make it happen. But if the questions suggested by Moises wins are, is the opponent bad at grappling or just breakable, or is the opponent afraid to take the lead? Yeah. Then Anthony seems to uh, answer both of those questions in the right way. Yep. So it just feels like you kind of got to pick him.
1: Yep. All right. That brings us to a light heavyweight bout. Volkan Uzdemir against Anthony Smith beta. The uh, fl- fresh out of the clone tank, Anthony Smith.
2: <laughs> no, Long this is Anthony this is Anthony Smith Epsilon. Yeah. Beta my ass. Long this is this is the one that works the minds in Brave New World. <laughs> <laughs> this is <the laughs> This is the Anthony Smith that isn't allowed to have sex. no Soma for you Anthony Smith (laughs) 5 but uh, yeah
1: this is this will be a fun fight for as long as it lasts sure uh, Guskov only really seems to have one idea of fighting and it is an incredibly limited but entertaining one who is it that he's miming there's very clearly like a a swagger to him that suggests my favorite fighter fights like this too Mm -hmm. because it's all very like hands down chin forward i i mean maybe it's roy jones jr and part of me would be like that's a silly thing to bring into MMA and for a Russian, I don't even know. He's not Russian. is he? He's
2: no, he's uh, from Uzbekistan. Uzbekistani. So he may very well be Russian ethnically.
1: Yeah. Uh, to, to glom onto, but then I remember how like into Russia, Roy Jones Jr. is true. And like spends a lot of time there and, has you know made himself a bit of a like cultural icon over there.
2: It it is kind of a Roy Jones thing that he's trying to do out there, isn't it? Which is it funny because he's not good at it.
1: No, no, yeah, it's but like
2: it's this fight with the uh, the this guy Vasilevsky, where he's mm-hmm. out there like posturing, and he just every time Vasilevsky has the idea to throw a jab, it just lands clean.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very much a I'm posturing and I'm going to slip, and if you're awful at striking. I will slip in like fun you know moving my head bobbing back and forth kind of ways and if you're not awful at striking i'm just gonna get hit really clean.
2: yeah pl- please believe me when i stand yes. like i know how to defend myself
1: yeah and uh vulcan to me i think is just gonna hit him really hard yeah And Gushkov's only other answer, when fights start, when when people, when an exchange actually continues beyond one or two strikes, is just a clinch and grind. Yeah. And he doesn't, you know, he can get on top and do some work there, but he's no kind of grappler or any kind of like real positional threat beyond his potential to land ground and pound. And I don't think that that's big enough for me to think that he's going to get Ustamir on his back and tired the way that Ustamir can get when a fight gets out of his control. Because when, when we have seen Ustamir lately in a fight like this one, where it's just largely going to be between clinching and punching, Ustamir is much more controlled and much more mindful of his output than he used to be. Yeah. And you really have to take... A more difficult fight to him, like Krylov did, where he just started wrestling him relentlessly, constantly, to get Ustamir tired the way he used to.
2: Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't like. Um, he doesn't take the lead in the fight against himself. <laughs> yeah. The way he used to. That being said, um, th- th- there's something to be said for Ustamir. Having become a man of very brittle confidence, it's true, uh, or having to persuade himself anew each fight that he's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like basically that. Ever since like that that Cormier fight, I think he he knew he was the shit up to that point.
1: Yeah, and Cormier then he had pants. him.
2: Yeah, he he went in there and he even had a good start and he was like feeling himself and he got crushed and ever since then there there has been this feeling of uh, yeah like Uzumir coming into the fight having to prove to himself that he can just like you know make the right decisions and 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 get comfortable and relax yeah yeah um and uh, I, I, it would be very funny if he if it, basically what we have is a guy who should be more confident than he is, lose <laughs> to a guy who is way too confident in his abilities. Yeah, that's a very funny idea. But if it takes a little bit of success to remind Uzumir of how good he is, I think he's gonna get that success. I think yeah, he's gonna I... throw a punch and it's just gonna land. He's gonna be like, oh.
1: Like, I mean, you do have to kind of watch that Nikita Krylov fight and think, well, what if Krylov couldn't wrestle? Yeah. Because then every time Krylov was stepping in, he was just getting clubbered, just absolutely lit the fuck up. Sure. And, you know. But you still
2: have fights like that one with, like, Paul Craig, where it's like, just go out there and beat him, Vulcan. Like, you're better than this guy.
1: Yeah, but... Grushkov isn't going to he's not going to present that sort of lack of option either where it's like, oh, you have the assertive one. Grushkov is going to go out there and press and be like, oh, okay, you you know, I'm here. I'm in your face, but I'm only going to be like at the edges of the pocket with my hands down, Mm -hmm. pressing constantly that way. What can you do with that? Probably just hit him a whole bunch.
2: Yeah, he's out there dropping his hands, and, and yet it's not because he actually knows how to avoid a well-thrown straight punch. He's super-duper, like, one-and-done with his mm-hmm. own output. He thinks he's going to, like, slide back and do, like, a Conor McGregor uh, c- counter. We can now anoint that, in fact, as the Sean O'Malley counter. He took mm-hmm. that for McGregor. What have you done for me lately? But, like, it's just, like, you have to make a horrible, horrible blunder pressing him for that to actually work. Yeah. And this is borne out by his results because his record looks pretty good on paper. But if you look just a little bit closer at almost all of his wins, they are bad. Yeah. The opponents are not good.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of guys that really can't strike.
2: Yeah. A lot of guys and, and a lot of other guys that really can't even fight that well. Yeah. There's like washed fighters. There's novice fighters. There's, it's just a picture of a uh, regional light heavyweight MMA. Mm -hmm. so yeah i i think there's absolutely no reason not to expect that uzdemir will pretty quickly convince himself that he can crush this dude and be right to do it yep would have loved to see uzdemir merzikonov man yeah that would have been a great fight merzikonov is a fun fighter that's a that is a real blow to this card
1: Uzmira opened at minus 156 is currently minus 173. Gushkov opened at plus 140 is currently plus
2: 154. What's the uh, the, uh, Sadiq Yusuf method for picking these fights? He counts the number of consonants in each guy's last name? Is that it? (laughs) Yeah, When it's like a Russian fighter, he's like, "Let me count no. the consonants." This guy has six consonants in his name. I'm big. <laughs> Have you seen Sadiq's? Uh, I've seen his, a couple. I haven't like actually picks.
1: really. They're followed. pretty funny. He's yeah. a funny guy. I know we've we've talked about like reaching out to him to see if he'd be willing to partner with Bloody Elbow to like do some do some of that kind of stuff for us. That would be I cool. I don't know well, if anybody's actually reached out to him yet.
2: It's five to four. In favor of Volkan Ustamir for the consonant factor with Mirzakhanov? five to six. See, that's why I would have picked yeah. Merzakhanov. It works. The method works.
1: Wait, no, Ustamir only has four consonants in his last name.
2: Oh, you're right. For some reason, I counted the um, O, the O as a consonant.
1: Yeah, it's four to four, so.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm suddenly reconsidering my pick.
1: All right. That gets us to a featherweight fight. William Gomez, Giannis Gemuri, and this should. I mean, the, <laughs> the unfortunate thing here is that Gomez is such a neutralizing fighter. Yeah.
2: This fight could suck, is what this, you're leading up to, right? This could really suck bad. These are this, some close decision machine-ass fighters. Despite the fact that
1: Gamuri really doesn't look like he belongs at this level at all.
2: Yeah, there's stuff that Gamuri does that I like.
1: None of it happens below his waist, though. I know that much. Like, um, What are you saying? Saying that I have rarely <laughs> seen a fighter who's balance and footwork is that bad.
2: I yeah. Don't... And it's, it's mostly, I think most of that comes out when he has to lead. Yeah. he would very much like to be counter punching
1: where if, his defense he, is abysmal.
2: It's true. Yeah. But he's, he's got some reasonably good timing and some reasonably yeah. quick hands. He loves flipping out that, uh, that check hook mm-hmm. that is his go-to counter shot. Um. But when he, you know, he, he can still do those things and look like reasonably well balanced when he has to step forward and punch his his form is ass.
1: It is really surprisingly like watching right. him on tape. I was just like, wait, this guy, they signed this
2: guy. Yeah. This? What? It's I... shocking compared to the rest of his game because he can yeah. look somewhat competent as a counter puncher, albeit with not great defense. That's not remarkable in MMA, really. Yeah. Um, And he can look pretty good as a kicker. But when he has to step in with punches and put more than one out there, he's just, like, falling over and doesn't know his yeah. range. and
1: He just, like, stumbles forward almost. It's really... Yeah. It's not good.
2: But uh, likely, we're going to have a fight where, he, like, that stuff is not going to be punished as much as it should. Yeah. And he is going to get to utilize his kicking game, which is decent. Uh, he likes the sidekicks. He likes the low kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like this is such a fight where Go- Gomi is the guy who belongs in this division. Gamori, as you noted earlier, is stepping up on short notice. And yet he was Gomi, already training for a fight,
1: but, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. but he's stepping up to featherweight against a yeah. short notice opponent. A- and yet, yeah, as you said, Gomi's entire style is just like not letting the other guy beat him.
1: Yeah. He's very much a neutralizer. will throw out one big, exciting strike at a time. They're fast. They're, you know, and, and they they can be creative.
2: Yeah, but his own form is not great. His own balance is yeah. not great. He does a lot of just sort of like sliding and flapping around and big, exaggerated defensive movements. And yep. I, I think there's a very high probability that this fight is just misery to us. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think so, too. The more I thought about it, the more I, cause I was like, yeah. Oh. Gomi takes this easily and that thought about Gomi in his fights and I'm just like, yep. wait, no, he's not going to make this easy on himself. He's going to be yep. defensive to a fault against an opponent who can't
2: pursue which woof. Yeah. Gomi has had at least three split or majority decisions in his career not that that's always indicative of bad fights, but with Gomi we know it is. Yeah, uh, and Gamori has had two splits before, um, and a lot of his other decision wins have that look. He either like shocks somebody with his speed, clips them with a good counter, uh, or yeah. Um, and then he had a fight. One of those splits I've I've seen was this fight with uh, Vladislav Novitsky. Pretty mm-hmm. fun fight actually, as it starts. Um. Novitski, I, I would like to see more of, honestly, because he had a pretty cool outside kicking kind of game. And uh, really, I don't think Gamori should have won it at all, even though uh, late in the fight, he discovered that, in fact, Novitski did not know how to wrestle at all. Because <laughs> it's not like Gamori is a good wrestler, but we can just yeah. like accidentally take Novitski down. Uh, but in this fight, yeah, he, he got the worst of the kicking exchanges. He got both legs beaten up. Uh, once he had a horrible reaction to a low kick where he just kind of dropped his hands and stepped back and got clipped on the chin with a left hook and got hurt. Um, and for as much fun as some of the like low kick battle was in that fight, I, I didn't think in that kind of long range fight that he actually looked that impressive. So I suppose I'll take Gomi as the guy yeah. who is used to this division. Um and I don't think Gamori has anything particularly novel that Gomi has not seen before. Yeah. Whereas Gomi it seems to have a much better chance of maybe just getting lucky and landing a big shot, at least to bank around.
1: Yeah. He certainly had plenty of finishes in his career in the past, just because, sure. like I say, he's he's fast and he's creative with what he wants to throw. So yep. he's very good at just surprising somebody, stepping in on him. Yep. Um. But if that doesn't happen, then yeah, this will just be a really ugly, close fight that I would still pick Gomi in, just because he's much better going backwards than Kimuri is going forward. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Odds on the fight, Gomi is the favorite, opened around minus 275. That line has not had time to adjust at all yet, and... Uh, Gemuri is at plus 215 Alright that wraps us up for the main card and uh, for those of you subscribing to our Substack we're going to jump over and take a quick look back at UFC Fight Night Holloway versus Korean Zombie
0: To access the bonus content of this show you must be a paid subscriber To do that go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today